This is episode 76 of the Kindred Mom podcast. I'm your host, Emily Sue Allen. Hi there. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Kindred Mom podcast. Today we are launching into a new series on kindredmom.com about the ages and stages of childhood. We've just wrapped up the Peaceful Home series we went through the last several months and are excited to leap into this new one. Today's episode is going to be about navigating new things as we have encountered so many new things as parents at every new stage. And it's just the kickoff of our conversation that we'll be continuing the next several months. You can expect some episodes ahead that really dive into parenting philosophy and things that we have learned along the way as we've parented our kids. We have a few guests in the works to share with you on the podcast, and there are many essays on the blog that um, if you're not listening to them on the podcast feed, you can listen to them here, um, or you can go and read over on kindermom.com. Today's guests include Jay Jones, one of our new team members, and Jenny Van Winkle, our editorial lead at Kindred Mom. And we are just sharing what we have experienced in navigating new things as parents. I have shared a couple of tips for you that might help you as you encounter new things as a parent. Um, They're just some ideas that I have found helpful, and I hope that you find them helpful as well. Thanks so much for listening, and enjoy the following conversation. Today, we are hopping into a new conversation with the Ages and Stages series on kindredmom.com. And I'm really pleased to have Jay Jones and Jenny Van Winkle here to talk with me. Um, ladies, say hello. Hey, everybody. Hi. <laughs> it's nice to be here. Yeah, hello. Happy Easter. I would love to just start by talking about uh, the series. We are going to be going through ages and stages of childhood over these next couple of months. And I think that is going to be both a very applicable, relatable topic and also one that can really ask us to think a little bit deeper about what it is we're doing as we're leading our kids. Um, We're going to be talking about parenting and guiding our kids and really the things we observe and notice about their development and what they need from us along the way. And so since parenting is a constantly changing experience, I remember that even from the first days of pregnancy that every part of the experience has been full of new things as I go along, you know, and I'd love for this episode to dive into the challenges and joys of navigating new things in each stage of parenting, since that is something that is kind of a universal experience, even though so many details about our families and where we live and the things that we uh, experience are different. Everybody knows about what new things are like when you don't know what you're doing. And so I would love to know if you can think of a standout story of when you navigated something new as a parent. I actually, when you, when I was first thinking about this, I did not have anything in mind that I could think that was particularly new Mm -hmm. or, um, but then um, just yesterday, I think it was, the girls were going to paint their nails and Sammy was going to do a salon and the whole thing. And then Tucker wanted to join in in that. Mm-hmm. And uh, that just hit me wrong on a number of levels. And I didn't know. And I st- I'm not still sh- I'm still not sure whether we landed in the right spot. But I remember 
I just felt like, no, and it, it just felt, I felt scared. And so the feeling of scared um, said, well, maybe you're not, you're not being led from the right place. Mm-hmm. But I said no initially. And then I looked at my husband and I realized I hadn't even given him space to have a, <laughs> a moment to weigh in on the whole thing. Yeah. So he tried to go with me, which is great as a negotiator. You should go with the other, you know, don't disagree, show up, you know, a solid front. But then, <laughs> but then when I gave him some space and said, babe, I don't really know. What do you think? And he says, well, when I was a kid, I know one time I um, painted my nails. And so then I said, oh, okay. And that just helped me a lot to relax, you know, and say, okay, well, maybe, you know, we should let him. And so, honey, what do you think? And he's like, yeah, he, he can. He can he can go ahead and do that. And we'll see where it goes from here and, you know, pray about it and commit it to the Lord. But what was, what was really strange about it is my daughter, my oldest daughter, when we made that decision, because she was there to see this decision being made, um, she says, well, mommy, that's not Christian. That's not biblical. It's not right. And and I had to really fall back on some kindred mom advice that I that I heard in another podcast, which was, you know, to be gentle about whatever I say, but also give myself a moment to come back to it. Cause I didn't wanna I didn't know where I stood really. And mm-hmm. I didn't wanna say I didn't want to make a law yeah. it, it, because of my emotions. So it, it was it was a tough one where I, I actually pulled her aside the next day to say let's be sure where where what the bible is saying about things and what christianity really means and how people's feelings how people are affected by mm-hmm. the things that we lay down so mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i still don't even know hmm. well thanks for sharing jay yeah when i think about navigating new things as a parent i i like jay you were talking about something that happened just like the other day you know and we're we're going through stuff all the time like we go through new things all the time. But I always go back to like the first time I had kids because that was like the brand new first brand new thing. Like I don't know what I'm doing, you know, and Mm -hmm. as much as I would think I know what I was doing, I had no idea. And I feel like I went through some really powerful experiences being a brand new mom that have really helped shape my outlook when I encounter those new things. And the first you know, the, I, so my first child was two children. <laughs> it was a twin. <laughs> They're twins. And, yeah. um, and it was like, that was a lot. And the particularly feeding my children was really hard. And I had all these ideas that I wanted to, you know, breastfeed them tandemly and like figure out how to work that out. And that just did not work. They spent three weeks in NICU and there were just a number of things that just made it difficult to figure out how to breastfeed. So that was quickly abandoned. And I, I just had to, I, I wanted to feed them breast milk as much as I possibly could, but I just did that through a bottle. And it just was this whole other extra step of the middleman that just didn't need to be there. And I remember <laughs> just sitting there, I'd spend hours and hours on my couch pumping and then putting the, you know, then bottle feeding the babies and then burping the babies. And then I didn't have any idea how to put babies down for a nap. So I just stayed there with them on my shoulders and just froze and let them sleep on me and was like, yeah, this is, is totally not efficient and it's totally not ideal, but this is all I can do right now. Like this is it. Yeah. I can. And, and so for me, it was just like, 
oh, I, you know, it was just a huge step into the unknown and you just do what you got to do a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And through that experience, some ingenious things came out of my brain, which was, which was running on fumes and didn't have a lot of brain cells at the time. I was so tired. And so I was amazing that ingenuity can come out of my brain when I was so depleted. And yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I love these stories and I think too, I mean, I have so many, where do you begin with all the new things? I feel like every new day is a new thing and you have just things you haven't experienced before. Mm -hmm. And I think what stands out to me as something that I would love to share is that when I encounter new things, I find that I really want to look for an example or I want to look at okay, how is another mom handling this right now? Because they really feel not prepared. And just having a a small window, even if their circumstances are a little different than mine, or they might have a slightly different approach than I might move forward with, I still find it really, really helpful to just have a snapshot of what is working for her and, and how might that be beneficial to me. And so... I can't think of one standout story, but I just know that especially my first several years um, with my first babies, I was constantly looking around to the moms that were a little bit ahead of me, just taking notes of like, how do they get their babies to sleep? How do they transition from immobile baby to moving around everywhere? And I think over time, my observations kind of shifted from other people to then really just observing my child and what does my child need? How does my child respond differently than someone else's kids do? And it's of course gotten only more interesting with time with seven different personalities (laughs) to observe because even my own children are more different than I would have expected children to be. I guess um, in preparing for this episode, I had a couple things come to mind um, from my almost 15 years of parenting experience and um, wanted to offer a few principles I think are helpful when navigating new things. And I do think Mm -hmm. they apply in most situations, maybe not every situation. Um, And it's not necessarily something that is like, I have all these things figured out 100%, but they're just ideas that came to me as I was thinking through. If I apply these principles to my life when I have a new thing in front of me that I feel either anxious about or unsure of myself. I think following these principles really just inspires confidence and helps me to take hold of that new season without so much trepidation. So I'm going to share those and then we can talk about them a little bit more. Okay. The, The first principle is to enter with humility And I think that that is something that I don't know that I would have wanted to hear that when I was a 23-year-old new mom. (laughs) Um, Because I think before I had kids, like many people, I just was like, well, this can't be that hard. I'm going to rock this and I'm not going to have all of those same challenges that other people have. But we don't know what we haven't experienced until it's in front of us. And um, we also don't always see the levels of difficulty that enter from other places. It's not just a new baby in your hands, you know, it's also sleep disruptions and pressures from other places. And now working together with your spouse to do this thing together when you might have different approaches or ideas about how it should be done. And so entering with humility, I think just says, I, I can learn. 
and it doesn't mean you don't know anything. It just is kind of an openness to learning as you go. And so that's one idea. Number two, I wrote down, embrace your inexperience. And I think this is something that as time has gone on, I have done a little bit better. I think when I was younger, uh, especially when it came to like disciplining my kids and stuff like that, I just felt like I've got to totally fake this and make it seem like I really know what I'm doing. Mm. And um, I think that it's really wise to just say, I don't have a lot of experience in this area and it's okay that I don't know if I haven't experienced it because it's not, it's not a failure <laughs> to not know something you haven't gone through yet. Mm-hmm. And um, embracing an experience, I think just looks like recognizing that there are opportunities to grow and um, that it's, it's not like you're not cut out for this job. It just is something that you will get better at as you spend more time in that role and see and observe um, what works well and what doesn't. So embrace your inexperience is number two. Number three is trust your intuition. And I think this is a really important thing for moms. Um, I think most moms get there on their own without somebody saying, you need to trust your intuition with time and knowledge of your child and, you know, becoming more comfortable with your own parenting philosophy and choices that you make. I think this gets strengthened kind of without us trying too hard at it. I just really love when especially younger, newer moms start to recognize that you can ask for advice and you can read a lot of books, um, but you really do at some point have to start filtering out what isn't for you. And it doesn't mean that it's bad or if somebody else does it that way that, you know, they should be judged. (laughs) It's just, you know, tailoring your own approach and perspective about parenting. That's something that nobody can take from you. And that intuition, when that starts to take over and put insecurity in its place and helps moms to really just own their role. um, I just love that. So trust your intuition. And then last, um, make space for grace. And I want to dive into this more in a minute because we'll go through each of these. But making space for grace, um, I just think that it's too easy to beat ourselves up over the things that we don't do well. And unfortunately, (laughs) I think that there are a lot of opportunities to fall on our faces as moms because we have our own limitations. We have our own uh, shortcomings and At the same time, um, there's just a lot about grace that I think needs to be part of this equation. So we'll talk about that in a minute too. So digging into these principles, I'd love to ask your thoughts about what it looks like to enter a new stage or a new experience with humility. Well, for me, I sometimes think humility, being humble, and sort of goes in a little bit to your second point, Emily, of Mm -hmm. just sort of embracing your inexperience. For me, it's a little bit like the sort of run in the same yeah. uh, race there where to have humility is to admit your, your weaknesses and to, and to know that you are teachable. I, I suppose that's the difference between arrogance and having humility is that you retain the ability to, to be taught. And, yeah. and so I guess that comes from, <laughs> that's, that's like nice for remembering you know, I have these memories of being a, a young adult 
who didn't have children and seeing people who had children and then having all kinds of of opinions about how those people were either doing a great job or not doing a great job and how I would do it different. And I got my little hiney handed to me several times <laughs> so um with with you know that arrogance you know yeah. it's just like it doesn't you don't know what someone else's challenges are and that your challenges might be similar or they could be completely different than what you observed and i think it's really important to remember that we don't know all the things and i think we all want to be good parents and i think that's kind of where that arrogance comes from a little bit is like the desire to want to be to do right and the Mm -hmm. desire to want to succeed but um I think we have to know that it's sort of a trial by fire a little bit and that it's gonna we're gonna crash and burn and there's gonna be times that we we make great choices that make things better and it was not painful and then there's gonna be times that we're gonna go through painful experiences and I guess to expect that, you know, and to know Mm -hmm. that that's just life. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with the word teachable. I was literally writing it down as you said it. And I think that it can be painful. Um, I think for me, when I think of humility, it's in parenting, it's kind of like, can I accept that certain things are not working? And I think that's really hard for me sometimes because I want to excuse or rationalize a certain thing. But um, this, this, this shelter in place time has really slowed down the time in a way that has forced me to hear my kids more and mm-hmm. hear from them. I mean, I want to, there's things you say you want to, but then when you get what you've asked for, it's a little, it can be a little bit tougher than you, than you thought. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been hearing a lot from my kids about how they perceive me. And you, you can't just run with emotion and let your kids give you your identity either. But um, it's very important to hear just for the effect that it has on them, what they believe and what they are perceiving. And so I, we had quite a, a morning one day and the kids were just telling me that they, they saw that I, they discerned that I had certain beliefs that they didn't feel lined up with how I was handling myself and ways that I was talking. And, um, you know, I thought, you know, I can ignore this and say, you know, well, I had a bad moment and everyone has a bad moment. Or I can say, yeah, I mean, these are things that have hurt you and I can apologize about those. At the same time, as I say, don't expect perfection from me. I mean, that is not why we need a savior because we're perfect. I mean, it, we, you know, we, we do mess up, but I don't want to say I don't care about your feelings in this. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, though, um, that I keep thinking is you keep saying when I was younger, when I, I, I find that my young, my younger friends, they're young in age or they have younger children, whatever it is. And I because I have children ranging from two up till um, 13. And yet my younger friends with younger kids teach me so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think, you know, because you get older, you necessarily get wiser. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's where humility comes in. I mean, have you al- allowed yourself to be influenced or allowed yourself to be open 
um, to what is working for people. And it's taken me a long time to get there. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, to realize that this fake it till you make it thing doesn't really, isn't yeah. all there is to it. There needs to be systems and, yeah. um, you know, help mentors. Yeah. Well, and I love that you mentioned that just because you grow older doesn't mean you grow wiser. And that for me brings up the difference between knowledge and wisdom that you can know things and not be able to apply them in a way that nourishes your family and grows the character of your yourself and your kids and brings about wholeness in relationships. Uh, and you can still have like, I know all these things. I read all these books. I put information into my mind and then like executed. But that's different than wisdom, which really requires us to, I don't think you can have wisdom without humility. I don't think that okay. you can apply everything that you learn in the situation in front of you without really taking in the situation and the person in front of you, like yeah. with your child, like you have to some observation and figuring out how much to like right now I have a situation with my 12 year old son who has a golden heart. I love his heart. I love his personality even, but he's just got a tougher exterior and is a little bit more challenging as far as the dynamics of our family is concerned. And we've always kind of been clashing a little bit and sharpening each other. And it's not always comfortable. It's not always fun. Uh, But I just feel like in the last month or two, I've really tried to soften my approach to conflicts with him and resolving things with him. And instead of clashing, (laughs) I've just been like, okay, so I'm not excusing the behavior, but I am trying to figure out how can I reach the heart of things and, and really get your ear, even if your behavior is not perfectly fixed because it's not, but I feel like I'm getting somewhere with him uh, because I am not just laying down the hammer (laughs) and laying down the hammer just makes him go stiff and inflexible. And I'm not going to listen to anything you say, mom. And the soft approach is, it's just interesting. So I think that humility has, has a part in that. Yeah. You've definitely influenced me in that. And I can tell you that with my oldest She's the same. And um, I've noticed that if I will just take that breath, because there's things that can be said that can just trigger you, you know, mm-hmm. and you tighten up. And then, like you said, you want to bring down the hammer. But if I do the opposite thing of what I'm feeling and I like take a breath and then like sit, maybe I want to stand up and point and I sit down and put my hands in my lap and listen, it's like she somehow it's like she was, she's surprised by that. And we end up having conversation and yeah, it is really powerful. The softening is is counterintuitive or not worldly, or I don't know what it is, but it has, it's powerful in its own way. It's like hard one too, to get to that place of saying, yes, being soft is better than just brute force, which, you know, like, that's hard one. There's lots of pain that ha- you you both have described enduring with your children and not having the outcome that you want to achieve, yeah. you know? So it's right. like, that is wisdom that comes through a lot of trial. 
Yeah. Well, there is too. Like softness does not necessarily mean permissive or that you are not exercising your authority, that you're not leading your children well. It really, for me, is about the delivery and the interaction. And I felt like I had to go in with a stronger front and a more inflexible because I mean I just felt like if I'm shaping this kid I've got to like be really (laughs) hands-on you know and I can be engaged and present and committed to him without really bending him to my will so there's just nuances in that whole process that I think it does take some maturity to on the fact that we don't get to just control our kids and their <laughs> and their uh, responses to us. So mm-hmm. right. um, to just step to number two, um, I'd love to talk about what it looks like to embrace your inexperience. When I was thinking about this. I kept going around to this idea of sort of trusting that you already have the things that you need to solve a problem already inside you. And when you were talking, Emily, about like looking for a, looking for someone with um, experience um, to sort of emulate and, and that kind of thing, I think there's a lot of value in, in seeking wisdom from other places and sort of emulating what's working for people. But I, al- I also think that embracing your inexperience comes also by like looking at what you already have inside you. And I guess this is a way to like battle inexperience, you know, and, and go like moving through inexperience to solve a problem. And we all have life experiences that have shaped us. And I think that if we remember that just because they may not be directly related to the thing we're we're, we're dealing with in the moment that they can influence and can guide us to coming up with a solution for those problems. I don't have an example mm-hmm. right at the top of my head, but that that's sort of what I was thinking about was, yes, you have inexperience, but you're not stupid. Like you, like having inexperience does not mean that you are yeah. equipped you can figure it out yeah and I think what you seem seems like you're getting at uh, I might take it a little bit farther um, than you have said right now but our value does not come from what we know and how proficient we are at something when we first started <laughs> like you are valuable as a parent even if you have zero experience whatsoever <laughs> like you mm-hmm. have a posture and a desire to to love your child or children and to provide them with the love and nurture that they need, even if you have no idea how to do that, that you're valuable Mm -hmm. before you've proven it. And that experience is not necessarily a way to, inexperience is not speaking negatively about you, is what I think you're trying to say. Right. It's like, it's not a, it's not a, a forever sentence of you're going to always be inexperienced. You, you're going yeah. to start there, but you're, you know, and that yeah. nobody likes being inexperienced, you know? So, <laughs> but how do you get experience? You have to go through the inexperience yeah. to get it. I think um, too, um, that inexperience can tie in with humility aspect mm-hmm. um, because um, I've been hearing this a lot lately and I, and it's really good for me because I always wanted to pretend to know or know the the things. And I didn't to say to your children, sometimes I don't know to say, you know, even like with 
this shelter in place thing? When, when is this going to end and how is this going to end? I don't know. And to grapple with that with them or, you know, anything, um, you know, why do certain things happen? And to sit with them and talk about how you don't know um, why they've happened and to, to the best of your ability, explain or even, you know, with the situation with my son, I, I don't know if that's the right thing for us to do. And I can say that to him. I don't know if this is what you should be doing. And I don't know if it's something we want to go forward doing, but I want to like give you some freedom and I want to explore and pray about it and see, you know, what we think, you know, I think just letting your kids know that I think that gives them the room. It gives you room to, to be honest and authentic, which I think is very important. Um, for your parenting, because authenticity is like a foundation for all the other stuff that you do, you know, Mm -hmm. the bonds that you have with them, the discipline that you give them. um, It's a way they can know that they can trust you, that you won't pretend to, you know, I mean, sometimes we have to, we've just got to have the front and we've got to do that. I understand, but I'm, you know, we can't just be running around fearful all the time or whatever the thing is. We do have to be stable for our children. But I mean, you know, I think that it allows them to connect with us on a different level mm-hmm. and share with us some of the things that, you know, that they also struggle with. Mm-hmm. It's like having that in common. It's like I'm inexperienced yeah. and so are you. <laughs> so we've got that in common. <laughs> yeah, right. And that, and that you said it's not a, sen- a life sentence, but, you know, kind of it kind of is. I mean, it's not the same thing. Yeah. It's like new things come that you that you didn't. You're like, I mean, even if you, you know, you were a teenager, but you don't necessarily know what it's like for them today. Um, and so it comes, you know, there things come again and again that you're just like, I don't know. And uh, we're going to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Um you know? So let's talk about intuition. How have you learned to recognize and lean on your own intuition as a mother? I don't know if I know how to recognize it, but I do know when I've ignored it. Yeah. <laughs> because I feel like my intuition is one of those things that it's like, here's the thing that you should do. And then I go, oh, that's just some weird thought in my head. And I'm not going to mm-hmm. listen to that. And then I go, oh, when I have ignored it and done what yeah. it's not my yeah. intuition telling me. And then I go, Oh, that was smart. I should have listened to that. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I don't have an example, but That's I just, okay. I know that I know when I've ignored it. Yeah. So I'm learning, I'm still learning to like discern what that is. Yeah. yeah I don't, I don't, um, yeah, I don't know. That's a hard, that's a super hard question for me. Okay. Um, intuition as far as, Parenting, no. I mean, in friendship, yes. In other areas, but in parenting, no, I don't really, I don't know what that looks like. Hmm. I don't even, Jenny knows when she's missed it. I don't even know that. Um, That's so so honest. I don't know. I think some of it is is maybe just terminology, you know, mix up because I think you do have intuition as a mom, even if you're not cognitively, you know, saying this is my intuition right here. I totally understand and can spell it out and verbalize it. Um, I, I think that intuition is something that is, is part of our nature, part of our makeup and also kind of just how God speaks to our hearts. And 
I don't necessarily make every decision based on well-researched knowledge. Some things I'm just like, oh, I just know this is the right choice for my family or this is the right choice for this child. Or um, I was Mm. just thinking the other day how I really want to develop some kind of resource around sleep and little ones because I feel like I've kind of figured out how that works well for my family. That doesn't mean it would work well for every person's family, but there's just some intuitive things that I do from the time I bring a baby home from the hospital or their first days that sets us up for success with sleeping habits further on down the line. And even now, all of my kids are really good sleepers. Which I don't necessarily take credit for that. Like I did this amazing thing, but just recognizing that um, there are things that we know without someone having taught us. I think that that is what intuition is. Um, and I think a lot of times it comes from God. So, no, I think, I think you work well with systems. And so he talks to you through systems like that. And they're like, I don't know where I came up with this, but you know, God gave it to me. Mm-hmm. I myself tend to feel like a pinball, like mm-hmm. <laughs> literally blindfolded. And like, like something is just pushing me around and I end up in places and I'm like, wow, that worked out. I mean, so I think that's a lot of times how my my parenting, I know that sounds terrible, but that's how it feels to me a lot of times. And um, so there's that. Yeah, I would say, too, just about intuition, that your own intuition starts to come up, especially when ideas come across your mind or someone offers you advice or someone says, this is a great method for this. If you have a reaction to that, like... For example, the Ferber sleep method, you know, some people are like, yeah, I'll totally try that. And that is their intuition that that would work well for their child. And some are like, no, that is not, that's not how we roll over here, (laughs) you know, that that's intuition. And so it kind of includes your powers of observation, like what you know about yourself, what you know about your child and making decisions from a place of what is right for you. Um, because there are so many parenting decisions, especially in new seasons, that uh, it's not a right or wrong thing. It's a, well, how do you want to navigate this? How do you want to approach it? So those are some thoughts about intuition. And uh, the number four that we talked about, making space for grace. Uh, we talked about this on the podcast before, um, but I just wanted to repeat it again because I think it's really important. And I think grace is something that we receive. It's not something that we generate. It's not something that we have to like, you know, in the midst of our tired, groggy, overwhelmed, kids need so much from me all the time that we have to muster it up and find this grace that it's something that we receive and just really have our hands open to. And that's why I kind of have a problem with the phrase, have grace for yourself. (laughs) Not that you shouldn't receive the grace given to you. I want you to receive the grace given to you, but I just feel like it can make you feel like that's just one more thing that I'm not doing well. You know, like if I can't have grace for myself, then okay, so I suck at that too. <laughs> and you could think of, you could think of the whole uh, phrase of have grace for yourself as in, yeah, there's a big pie of yeah. grace. <laughs> so go take some. <laughs> Eat some grace pie. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. To me, it just is, it helps me to think of it as something that receiving it, I, I'm not, I'm not working for this grace. I am just receiving it, opening my hands to it. But what does, what does it look like for you to make space for grace in your own life? 
obviously eating pie <laughs> is one is one approach. Yes. I mean, we all have to have that kind of grace, right? Where we where we realize that it's that it's there, that really there mm-hmm. it's not going to be like forced upon you. Like you can't like you can't like yes, you say it's not something yeah. that you generate, which thank goodness it's not something that I have to generate yeah. because I feel like I generate so many things and I mean like the whole idea that there's something that I can just take, but mm-hmm. it's not something that's just going to be put on me. I have to, I have to accept it, you know? And so that's like an active, yeah. that's an act of receiving an act of yeah, like acknowledging it as a thing yeah. and that you're worthy of receiving it. Yeah. I think I might not be super good at this. Um, I had a, but I had a girlfriend who told me, you know, so when you say you don't like the term, that terminology, she said that to me, but this is the way she said it. You know, Jay, you would give me grace, right? If I was, if I was doing something and, or I was struggling with something, you wouldn't be hard on me, right? You would make, you'd give me space and love and encouragement. Mm -hmm. And I think that you need to do that for yourself. Yeah. I think that's probably tough because I think we give what we we really, we know how to receive and, um, you know, and if we don't know how to do that, well, it can be a challenge. And I think this is something that I'm very challenged with. My husband is the one who helps me the most with grace because I trust him. Mm -hmm. Um, I probably don't trust myself as much as I trust him. And I really feel like God knows that and knows that I, that he can speak through Taylor to me. And so Mm -hmm. I'll say, honey, can I, I'll basically say, can I relax about this? Do I need to worry about this? You know, mm-hmm. and he'll say, no, you don't. You're fine. Everything is okay. And um, and then I can start to breathe a little bit and give yeah. myself some space. Mm, that's good. Yeah. I was just talking with my husband the other day just about how it's so easy to receive communication and just input coming in through a filter of some kind. And if that filter, to me, it makes sense that the two filters that can be in play is a filter of humility, which we already talked about, or a filter of hurt. And that if my filter coming in or going out is a filter of humility, then I can expect good things to come out of that, that I will grow in my understanding or that I will be a blessing to others. And if it's a filter of hurt, um, it kind of goes either comes into me with barbs and like kind of hurts a little bit and like, Oh, I don't know. Um, or it makes me behave in ways or say things that are not warm and loving and understanding. And because, cause it's just, a the hurt is talking, I guess. So for me, when we talk about making space for grace, just another image to go on is maybe, you know, to have a filter, of humility, like that's just an openness, a, a softness, like we talked about earlier in the episode. Um, and, and when I said make space for grace, I think we do have to, if we're receiving it, we got to receive it into some kind of container, <laughs> which is our hearts, is our being. But um, I think it helps to imagine that I have, you know, a, a bucket that I'm, I'm catching this in and I'm, and I'm holding on to it and I'm going to draw from it. Like it's water for my soul because in a lot of ways it really is. And the verse that talks about, uh, there's a verse, I can't remember the reference off offhand, but it says, my grace is sufficient for you and my power is perfected in your weakness. 
I have for a couple days now just been thinking if sufficient was replaced with sustenance. And it's not, it's not the biblical wording, but my grace is sustenance for you. Like I just have loved thinking on that idea as something that can help me keep going. If, if I am receiving grace from God, that that is sustenance and I can keep going and I'm strengthened and nourished by that. And, um, and it is also sufficient. (laughs) It is enough, but, um, there's just something about that idea that has been sticking with me for a couple days and, just wanted to share it. And as we close out, I would love to just kind of for fun, uh, recall some of the best and worst new things that we have um, navigated while raising kids, if you can think of any. <laughs> yeah, my daughter throws me curveballs all the time. Um, <laughs> with this with this uh, uh, quarantine stuff, we've been, you know, obviously staying home a lot. And I've known in the back of my mind that she's a very like active and uh, adventurous Mm -hmm. little person. (laughs) My husband came in from the backyard where he was working out there in the, in the doing some yard work and she was out there with him and he comes in and goes, that girl just has to be watched every minute. (laughs) Like why? (laughs) What happened this time? And uh, she like climbed up on the playhouse and was like climbing up on top of the playhouse roof and was like hanging on to the neighbor's fence like looking over yeah like what's <laughs> over there but yeah. I've seen a lot of my yard but yeah. what's in your yard kind of a thing. <laughs> and, and it was kind of like okay same same girl just learned to ride her bike and she's not four she's not yet four but she can ride without pedals and oh, awesome or ride without training wheels I mean and um and the second day that she was out riding her bike, she's like standing up on the pedals and like really riding like a, like a big kid. <laughs> that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, I don't know. I, I, I'm not, I'm not ready for that yet, but yeah. it's kind of like, okay, well, I, I got to get ready yeah. because you're obviously going there. So I need to go there yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've had the chalk out with the kids and they're doing it's a TikTok um, mm-hmm. thing. I, I don't even know what, what do they call these things? Um, I, I don't know. Oh, the, the a trend. A trend. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The mosaic. So they've been doing that, which I didn't even know that was a TikTok thing. When I first saw it, I thought it was just adorable and encouraging, but now I know that and I don't love it as much as I did before. But um, we, and we also have started gardening. Taylor built planters for the vegetables with the, chicken wire all around them and underneath mm-hmm. them so that you know the rodents can't get up through that and we got a composter and my um my son and I built the tumbler the compost mm-hmm. tumbler so it spins over and it's changed mm-hmm. our whole mind about leftovers because now they you know they're not really wasted they're going into the garden so nice you know so yeah <laughs> it's awesome thing. yeah that's good well I just think um if I'm recalling in the past best new things and worst new things. I think one of the best new things that we have experienced several times over now with as many kids as we have is I really love that first week when a baby is brand new and all of the siblings are just kind of becoming acquainted with the new little person and how curious they are and like wanting to touch the toes and can they hold the baby? And I love, even though I'm always so zonked by that point of like, 
giving birth and the sleeplessness of the first couple weeks, especially, um, there's just such a tenderness in our family yeah. during those seasons and just a care and a love, um, that it's, it's messy and there's stuff that's not awesome about it. But to me, it's just one of the best new things that I've been through, um, as a mom. And I would say the worst new things were, um, poop explosions, <laughs> learning how <laughs> to deal with vomit <laughs> in a way that did not make me want to lose my mind. Um, and anything that has to do with bodily fluids. <laughs> I feel like I'm a pro now. So I kind of know how to handle those things in a way that doesn't like totally ruin my whole day. But right. um, when those were the new things, that was not awesome. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no. that's never awesome anytime. Doesn't matter if it's no. new. <laughs> no, but I mean, I feel like when you kind of have your your way you go about handling it and you know what you're doing, it's just definitely not as bad as... I, I just, I wrote an essay a while ago about my daughter's first, my oldest daughter, when she was a baby, her first poop explosion out of the house when we were like in the mall and I had zero diapers and oh, no... Like I didn't even have a diaper bag with me, I don't think. And um, we're in the mall. <laughs> She's got it all up her back. And and I was like, I am stuck. I do not know what to do. I was embarrassed and grossed out. And like, anyway, there's, there's just so many levels of that was not a good experience. <laughs> um, and you can bet I learned how to get out the house with the things that I needed. That's right. And, that has not happened to that level of mom fail ever since. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, well, thank you, ladies. It was really nice to chat with you. And I hope oh, yeah. our listeners will go and subscribe to our email newsletter. We've been sending that out once a week with a kind of a digest of what we have been sharing on Kindred Mom on the blog and podcast and also just links from around the internet that we think will be really helpful, um, applicable to this series and also just the season that we're in, everybody in shelter in place mode and, and stuff at this point. This was April 2020 if you're listening to this in the future, but um, we'd love to have you on our email list so we can be in touch with you and um, just thank you ladies for being here today. Yeah, thank my you. pleasure. Yes, thank you so much. Mm-hmm.